This morning we are concluding our series, Proverbs, Old Wisdom for a New Day. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, falls under the genre of wisdom literature, and even though it was written thousands of years ago, it still provides great wisdom for us today. The uncertainty that our ever-changing world brings is unsettling, and we need some anchor points as we navigate today's challenges. And the book of Proverbs is full of never-changing truth for life. One of our directives here at TFRC is transform lives, where we live visibly different lives because of our faith in Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we don't want to be blown around wherever the winds of change may take us. We want to be anchored to the Word of God. And so in this series, we've looked at what the book of Proverbs has to say about being open to correction, uh, things like humility and pride, um, managing our anger, and we've revisited some old wisdom for our new day. And so we're going to conclude our series by seeing what Proverbs has to say about diligence. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them uh, to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs comes right after Psalms. Uh, Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. It's about halfway through the Old Testament. And so if you can find Psalms, uh, you will find Proverbs right after it. Um, you can also look it up on your phones if you desire. Um, we're going to be starting in Proverbs 10, but we're going to be reading a proverb from chapter uh, 12 and 13 and 16 and 24. So you may have to do some jumping around to keep up. Our, our scripture reader for this morning is Melissa Perez. And so, Melissa, please may you make your way on up to the podium. As she does so, I'm going to ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. And we read from the center of the room to remind us that Scripture is to be central in our lives. And we stand because we believe this is the Word of God. And so, Melissa, whenever you are ready, uh, please read from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10:5. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Proverbs 12:24 Diligent hands will rule but laziness ends in forced labor Proverbs 13:4 A sluggard's appetite is never filled but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied Proverbs 16:26 The appetite of laborers works for them their hunger drives them on Proverbs 24:33 through 34 A little sleep a little slumber a little folding the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Melissa, thank you very much. You may be seated. You know, I really appreciated uh, Brett's story last week about his international flight. You know, we've all had 
uh, difficult or bad flying experiences. I do feel especially bad uh, for taller people because they just do not have the legroom that they need. But even with all the bad things that we could list about flying, it really is amazing what the airline industry has done over the years. Um, first of all, I'd just like to remind us that we are able to travel to any part of the country in hours. You know, we could get on a flight in Twin Falls in the morning, and before the day is over, we could be at the Statue of Liberty in New York City. We could be at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. We could be on a beach in Florida, California, or Hawaii. Um, we could even go to places like Nebraska. The possibilities are endless. Um, we focus on the negative of flying. Um, so just, I want to invite you to illustrate this. Um, get a picture in your mind of what the airport looks like to you. So if you're traveling, what images come to mind of what an airport looks like? Okay, and if you have an image, I just want you to compare it to this particular image. Go ahead and put that on the screen. Okay, does your image look at anything like that? Okay, this is an area in the new Salt Lake City Airport. At the end of that hallway, um, there's this beautiful dining area with those glass windows. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's a great place to hang out. And to me, this picture represents the effort made to make flying comfortable. You know, airports are like malls nowadays. You know, back when malls were cruel before Amazon, uh, there are shops and restaurants and bars and massage areas, and you can even get your nails done. Uh, they have moving walkways, and you can catch a ride on a cart if you need. There are charging stations for our phones. Uh, there are places for us to work on our laptops. And then when you get on the plane, there's a good chance you'll have a TV monitor to watch movies, TV, play games on, or they, and then they'll serve you a snack or a drink, give you a pillow or a blanket, at night, they'll turn the lights off so you can sleep, or uh, they'll have lights above you so that you can read if they dim the lights. All of this is to make traveling anywhere in the country in hours comfortable, because we like comfort. The problem is, some of the best things in life aren't comfortable. We have to leave our comfort zones to attain them. Things like happy marriages, or raising children, or successful businesses, physical fitness, all of these things require work and sacrifice. And the problem is, we want all of these things without the work and sacrifice. It doesn't work that way. Proverbs illustrates a difference between thriving and surviving. Surviving is doing enough to get by, and thriving is making the sacrifice and effort to attain what makes life worth living. Thriving versus surviving. Going back to Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 26, where it says, the appetite of laborers works for them, and their hunger drives them on. Or going back to Proverbs 24, verses 33 and 34, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Now, it's a common belief that some people are just more driven than others, that some people just have a natural drive to attain the things they want. And I want to disagree with that assumption for a second. I don't think some people are more driven than others. I think in general, we all have the same amount of drive. The difference is what we are driven by or driven to. If we're in sort of a surviving mode, 
we are driven by slumber. If we're in a thriving mode, we are driven by hunger. Now look, all of us need sleep. Some of us need four hours, some of us need 10 hours. Sleep is important for our health, not saying sleep is bad. But when we are driven by slumber, well, that means we just want to take it easy. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. We want to avoid work, take it easy. We all know people like this. Their goal is to work as little as possible. They are always looking for the easy way out. Now, rest and relaxation are good and necessary, and there's actually a command to do these things in the Bible. It's called Sabbath. But while there is a time to rest and relax, there is a time to work. Life isn't all about just taking it easy. And what drives us to work is our hunger. Not just hunger for food, but hunger for success in work and relationships. And for the workaholics in the room, don't let your drive for work sacrifice your drive for relationship. Now, those people who are driven by their hunger are the ones that we think have all the drive. They don't have all the drive. They're just driven by something different, hunger. And that appetite works for them, the proverb says. In other words, following the hunger drive makes us work, and that work gives us life. The drive for hunger is life-giving. And the more we are driven by sleep and slumber, well, then poverty will sneak up upon us, both material and relational poverty. And the drive for slumber and the drive for hunger, they kind of work against each other. I know a retired pastor in Wisconsin. His name's Wayne. The whole time I've known him, he's been retired. But even though he's retired, that guy never stops moving. He never just walks casually. He is always speed walking with a purpose. He is always doing something. And he explained to me once why he always keeps moving. His whole life, he has suffered from something that he calls sleep attacks. Basically, anytime during the day, it doesn't matter how much sleep he got the night before, anytime during the day, his body will just shut down. And he feels it coming, and he can do nothing about it. And his body will shut down and he will just force him, it'll be forced him to fall asleep. And he'll sleep for about 15 minutes and then wake up. But he can't help it. <clears throat> his body shuts down random times during the day. He's gone to doctors his whole life. He's had every test there is to have in the book. And they can't figure out why he has these sleep attacks. But what Wayne has noticed over the years is that the more he moves physically, that he stays on the move, the less likely he's going to have a sleep attack. And when he stops moving, like to drive a car, or to watch TV, or to attend a meeting, the sleep attacks increase. And so he stays on the move as much as possible. And I think in a different way, that experience he has, the fact that he keeps moving, 
to ward off these sleep attacks is true for all of us. Because whichever drive we give into, the more that drive defines us. The drive for slumber and the drive for hunger compete against each other. The drive for slumber is for surviving and the drive for hunger is for thriving. And so as an act of wisdom, it would be wise for us to actively pursue something good. Actively pursue something good. When we see an opportunity to work for something good, take it. <laughs> Don't just give in to our desires to rest and relax all the time. When we actively pursue the good, we're thriving. And when our lives are all about taking it easy, well, then we're just surviving. Proverbs 13.4 says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says, if you don't work, you don't eat. And that's basically the meaning of this proverb. The sluggard doesn't get what he wants. The diligent have their desires met. And there's an additional truth to this proverb. When we have an unmet need like the sluggard in this proverb, that unmet need becomes our focus. I need this. I need that. It's like a kid at Christmas making a list. I want this, and 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 I want this. Their focus is on what they want. Their entire Christmas is centered on their desires. And when we're in surviving mode, we are simply craving what we want. And when we're in thriving mode, we are content with what we have. When we work for what it is we need, it takes the focus off our desires. And the focus becomes our work, not our want. And then when the work fulfills our needs, contentment sinks in, or as the proverb says, there is satisfaction. Work should lead to satisfaction. And if it doesn't, well, then we're probably working for the wrong things. And as an act of wisdom, it would be wise to work for that which brings contentment. Now, for the sluggard part of us, the focus should be on the word work. Work for that which brings contentment. Because if we don't work, we only have our desires to focus on. And then all we do is crave for what we want, but never actually take steps to get it. Now, for the diligent part of us, the focus should be on the word contentment. Work for that which brings contentment. We shouldn't just work for the next thing. Work for that which brings contentment. Remember what Jesus said. Our lives do not consist in the abundance of our possessions. Work for that which brings contentment. Proverbs 12, 24 says, Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Now, we know this from experience, that those who work hard get more responsibility. In high school, I worked as a dishwasher in a large restaurant for about a year. 
And it was really hard to keep up with the volume of dishes. They just kept coming and coming and coming. It was a big restaurant. But I eventually figured it out. The following year, I got another job as a dishwasher at this small diner. Um, and it was really easy for me after a year of my previous employment to keep up with um, the dishes in the smaller diner. And my boss saw that as me being a hard worker. And so he promoted me after two weeks to be a short order chef. Now, what he didn't know is I wasn't a quick learner. It took me a year of working at that last restaurant to figure out how to be efficient in doing dishes. And so I had that year of experience. That's why I did a good job washing dishes at the diner. And because I wasn't a quick learner, and after two weeks he promoted me to be a short order chef, I was a horrible short order chef. But that's not the point of the story. The point is that diligent hands get more responsibility. And sometimes we don't want the more responsibility, all right? The year's worth of washing dishes paid off in more responsibility. When we are in surviving mode, we have greater limits put upon us. When we're in thriving mode, we have greater influence on those around us. When we don't work hard, more limits are put on us. We are watched over more carefully to the point of being told what to do and when to do it. As Jesus said in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. There are certain people we just don't trust with much because they couldn't be trusted with little. And as an act of wisdom, it is wise to work to take on greater responsibility. It is tempting to take the easy road, to do just enough to get by. Because if we show that we are capable of doing more, do you know what happens? We will be asked to do more. And we don't want to be asked to do more. So we just kind of do what we have to do so we don't get asked to do more. And that is a little bit of a reality we have to watch out for here at TFRC. Because um, we have to be careful not to overuse certain volunteers. I know we're guilty of it. Apologize in advance. But the reason we do that is because there are some volunteers who are good at so many things. And when we overuse them, that is on us. But doing just enough to get by and stay unnoticed in whatever part of your life that may be true for, that is not thriving. That is called surviving. I'm doing just enough to get by. Now, we may have to give up some lesser responsibilities in order to take on greater responsibilities, but working to take on greater responsibility is how we thrive. And Proverbs 10.5 says, he who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Thriving or surviving impacts more than just us. Gathering crops or sleeping during the harvest, that affects others. Being a prudent son or disgraceful son involves the entire family. There is a material benefit or harm to this proverb, which affects more than you. There is a relational benefit or harm in this proverb which affects more than you. In surviving mode, we tend to let others down. In thriving mode, we lift others up. 
who are the people in your life that you can count on? You know, take a moment, identify them. Maybe it's a parent or a child or a spouse or a sibling or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or a niece or nephew or a coworker or a friend. Think about how much of a blessing they are to you because you can count on them. How much they mean to you. And now let me ask you this. Think about the people in your life and how many of them would identify you as someone they can count on because of the blessing you are to them. It is an act of wisdom to be diligent to benefit someone else. Now, in order to survive, we must take care of our needs. That is important, and following these Proverbs will help us do that. But in order to thrive, we are to be diligent to benefit somebody else. Now, here's the good news. The reality of the gospel is God diligently, diligently seeks us out. God never stops actively bringing about that which is good. God never stops pursuing that which brings significance to us. God never stops working out all things for our benefit. God never stops seeking us out. In Luke 15, we read a story where it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open? in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now just consider that analogy of a lost sheep. Many of you have heard that story lots of times. Do you see the diligence in this story? The determination, the drive? First of all, if you're the shepherd in this story, the first thing you have to do is realize that you've lost a sheep. Now realize the difference is between 100 and 99. How long is it going to take you to realize, oh, I only have 99 sheep. There aren't 100 here. That would take some level of diligence. And then once you realize that you only have 99 sheep and you're missing one, well, now you're going to go looking for this one sheep. And you are going with a purpose. You're not just going to go and look around for an hour or two. You are not coming back until that lost sheep is found. And then, however long it takes, you find that sheep. And you pick it up and you put it on your shoulders. And because of your joy, you don't even notice the extra weight. And then after all of that, you finally get home. And you don't rest. You go to all your friends and neighbors 
And you get them to rejoice with you because you found your lost sheep. Think about the drive. Think about the determination of that story. And Jesus says, that's the kind of motivation that he has when he eats with sinners and tax collectors. His passion for us. I have said it before, and I will say it again, I'm sure. But if you think that God has given up on you, you have got another thing coming. God's determination to find you is so much greater than your determination to stray, to run away. God doesn't stop. He is coming for you. It's the reality of the gospel. God diligently seeks us out. And the cross reminds us to the extent God comes for us. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for our sins, to die on the cross and receive God's blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.